in the church. One day the deacons finally had it up and they said, when are you going to preach something else? He said, when you get the first message, I'll go to the second one. didn't print this out so you'll have to bear with us on that for those who don't have a print out and that's why I was thought I had printed it out and I didn't I wrote it down Genesis chapter 28 Genesis chapter 28 I've preached on this subject matter before I've also taught on it on a Wednesday night before, and we were going to um, do this last Sunday night, and then uh, it was song night, and so we sang, and then by the time we were done, I didn't feel like we should uh, preach, and so you got it tonight. But if you would stand with us, we'll read a few verses of Scripture starting in verse 10. Just to, let me just read a few key verses then, and that way there you won't have to stand through all of it. Go with me instead to verse 18. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillow and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Buzz at the first. And Jacob bowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way, then I go and give me bread to eat and remit to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Father, tonight I thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy, and I thank you, dear God, for your many blessings, and ask you, Lord, help us, Father, to do your will, to praise your name, and we give you glory, Father, tonight in Jesus' holy name. And amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. I want to talk to us about our vows. And I've preached on this before, and I've taught on it before. I know about paying the vow that you vow. Our vows that we vow, though, are sometimes, I guess you would say this, uh, made in the heat of the moment. Sometimes they're made also in a time when we feel like we are, um, I, I would say, when we feel like we're on the mountaintop and we're going to vow to God something and uh, so that we uh, have a commitment that we would stay closer. Uh, sometimes we're down in the valley and we're going to vow to God and we're going to say, if you do X, then I will do Y. 
And like I said, sometimes it's just a, a, an excitement and we, in the heat of the moment, we'll make a vow and we'll say to God, I'm going to do X. And we don't follow through on these things a lot of times. But Jacob's vow that he vowed had a purpose behind it. It also had, I guess you might say, a affirmation. And the vow that he vowed before God was that he would be his God. That God would be his God if he brought him back into his father's house safely. And things worked out right. And we know the story of, uh, of Jacob and how all the things that transpired. And he finally comes back. He meets his brother Esau. And what we were, uh, he was prepared to be a great conflict actually did not become a conflict. Instead it became more of an agreement and it's basically the agreement is you go your way and I'll go my way and, and that's what they did but but the answer was that God brought him back safely God brought him home in peace and the commitment that he had made to him there at that time which is the place that we know today we call Bethel because of what he said Jacob vowed this vow in verse 20 and Jacob vowed a vow saying if God will be with me. How many of us know that we've, we've asked God and we've told God or we plead with God and we say, God, help me. God, save me. God, be with me. God, get me through this. God, get me. And, and on and on we go through there. We're asking God to do something and God does exactly the things that we're asking him to do. We've, we've asked God to commit himself to us. And remember, Nine times out of ten, we will say, God, if you'll just get me through it, boy, I'll not do that again. God, if you'll help me, I'll serve you, I'll follow you, I'll do it. And Jacob was that vow in the end of it. He said this, so that if I come again to my father's house, in verse 21, in peace. Can you imagine meeting Esau and going to battle, going to war? And that was exactly what Jacob was afraid of as he's coming back to meet up with his brothers. He's, he's split up uh, his band. He's, he's divided things. He sent the women and children this way and men this way and this way and this way. They, they got, and, and here he comes and he's coming in. He's prepared to lose what he's got. But instead of losing what he's got, he has peace. His brother meets him. They greet one another. He asks him things. They go back to the conversation. I'm not going through the whole, but in the end of it, he comes back in peace and they go one way and the other way and God does exactly that. And we know the rest of the story though. Jacob does follow God. God is Jacob's God. And we see this story and we know this, that it's true because while wow, we've got the word of God today, we've got the will of God, the plan of God, the salvation of God through Jesus Christ, all of these things that preceded them and came forth because of what God did for Jacob. Just think about it tonight, church. How many of us would say to God, God, if you'll get me through this, I'll never do this again. God, if you get me through this, I'll follow you all the way. God, if you'll do this, God. And we go to God and we vow these vows. We don't say their vows. We don't say, Lord, I'm going to make a vow to you. Instead, we, we call it a commitment or we call it a prayer. We call it a request. And we're asking God and pleading with God and we're telling God. And I know this church that we do these things. And then and we would say, well, brother, I, I had the best of intentions. Let me tell you something about intentions. They don't get anything done. 
But when we make a word like talking about it even this morning, that, that the, the world is getting further away from God and trying to keep God out of everything is because people have forgotten the commitments they made to God years ago. They no longer matter anymore because they got something else to take its place. And I'm just going to tell you something. You may find something to take the place of God, but it will never sustain you and take care of you and do the things that God will do. It does not work in the end. Why do we do it? Why does it happen? You, you've heard me talk about mine, the, the commitment that I made, the vow that I made. God, I'll shave as long as I, I'm preaching. And then I got convinced that while pastoring, you know, I didn't have to shave anymore. I was, you know, I was pastoring. Well, preaching is pastoring and pastoring is preaching. Doesn't make much sense, does it, to say I don't have to shave because now I'm a pastor. That's why I'm clean shaved except for my mustache. And I didn't let God, I told God I won't shave off my mustache unless you make me. I'm telling you. Go the distance you can go and go no further. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Don't commit beyond your means. And we ought not commit unless we mean it. The other evening, going out here the other morning, I think it was Sister Pam saying to me, that you're talking about promises. We don't make promises because we may not be able to keep them. And I told her, I said, I only promise that I will do my best. Because I know that sometimes things happen and you break your promise, you break your word. And you know, in the old day, the word is what we had. The handshake meant something. You didn't have to have a piece of paper. You had a handshake. You had a man's word, a lady's word. You had the word of a person. And that word was their body. It meant everything. And the funny thing of it is, is we got God's word written right down here. God has shown us, told us. It is written in form. And yet we look at it and we'll say, well, that doesn't mean this. Or that doesn't mean that. Or I don't have to do this. Or I don't have to do that. But the minute something goes amiss, we expect God to fulfill His Word. Well, God expects us to fill ours too. Amen. The blessings of following the Word of God and our commitment to follow that are unnumberable. Go over to Numbers chapter 30. Verse 1. And Moses spake unto the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. If a man vow a vow. Now I'm going to stop right here. There's not a person saved in this room tonight that has not vowed a vow. We all said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me one of yours. Some of those words, somehow, I'll follow you all the way. I'll follow you all the days of my life. I'll serve you. And, and by the way, church, that commitment is not based upon our terms. It's based upon His Word. He's the one who's in control of what we're supposed to do. We gave him our heart. He got our life. 
We said to him, I am vowing a vow. May not use the word vow again, but we said it, Lord, I will follow you. Now, now think about that, sir, that song we sing. And now, now you know why I changed that, right? Because it says, I would follow him, follow him everywhere, wherever it needs me, right? I would follow. That word would means it could happen and it might not happen. I would that I'd go, but I might not get to. I want to go, but I may not make it. But I will is a different word. You know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. is not the same as will. I will follow Jesus. Everywhere, anywhere, I will follow on. That means I will do it. I would do it is still based upon the assumption that something has to be done that has not been done. I would go to the car wash if I had a dollar. I would go to the car wash if my truck needed washing. I would go to the car wash if my wife didn't wash it. I mean, you can go on and on and on and on and you can put it on. I would, I would, I would. But you don't have to do anything because I would means there's something else that has to take place. But I will means it's already been settled. It's committed. It's done. I'm going there. I'm doing that. If a man bow a vow unto the Lord. Let me say one more thing before we go any further. I'm amazed at how our word seems to be more important unto one another sometimes than it means to be unto God. Now you think about that. And the measure of our word to God really will determine the depth of our measure of our word one to another. Our commitment we have to God is a determining factor to our commitment that we have in our relationships one with another. How committed am I to X? Well, it really is based upon how committed I am to God. Because if I'm absolutely committed unto God, my word is my bond. I said I would love my wife no matter what comes. Whatever you want. Where do you want to go? Wherever you want to go. Well, why don't you tell me? I'm just waiting for you. Now, I know what some of you ladies is thinking. That means you don't want to do nothing, go nowhere, and you don't care about it. No, what I'm saying is, is whatever pleases her pleases me. That's really the point in which it's got to. I want to know so that I can fulfill what she desires. Well, I want to know what God wants because I want to fulfill what God desires. The vow that I made to God was that God, I, when I accepted Jesus Christ, I will serve you. I will follow you. I will love you. I will honor you. I will lift you up. I will glorify you. I will stand for you. And I wish that I could tell you tonight, I've done it all, all the way every time. But I haven't. I want to. I'm striving to. If a man bow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with the bond, I give you my heart, Lord. Save my soul, Lord. He shall not break his word. Think about 
about that church. His word is his bond. He bound himself with his word. How did God bind himself to you and I? With his word. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's his word. Jesus saved me, Peter said. And immediately the Lord picked him up out of the water. How many people have cried, Lord, save me. The thief on the cross saved, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Why? Because he called on the Lord. He was bound by his word. God did not give us a word that he would not fulfill. We should not give God a word that we will not fulfill. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. I'm telling you something, church. To the Lord. Now it goes on and it deals with relationships. The woman make a vow to the Lord and she's married and her husband says you can't do that. That vow that she committed can't be done. If, her, if she's not married and her father says she can't do that or that, the Lord's going to forgive it. It's not going to be done. But if neither are against it and she vows it, then that vow is her commitment to God and she has to follow through with it. Vice versa, the same for the man. Go down through there. What does it end up being? The relationship that we have with God is binding. The relationship that we have in our, our marital vows is binding. The relationship that we have one with another, and if we're going to be brothers and sisters and we're going to say that we're going to serve and follow, we're, we're binding. Amazing, sometimes though we're more committed to the things that destroy than we are to the things that lift up. Deuteronomy chapter 23. Want a double witness of that first one? Here it is. When thou, verse 21, when thou shalt bow, bow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee and it would be sin in thee. But if thou shalt bear, forbear to thou, it shall be sin in thee. Now think about that. The vow that you make to God, you shall not slack in paying it. The Lord will require it. How many of you ever heard, if, if you don't give God one way, He'll get it another way. You ever thought about that? And people used to say, well, I didn't pay my tithes this week and my car broke down. I didn't do this and my, I got a flat tire. I didn't do this and this happened. I didn't do that. Listen to me very carefully. God didn't get that money. And God wasn't worried about the money. God was worried about the vow. He was worried about the commitment. He was worried about the word. 
And, and you know what we do? We get aggravated a lot of times. Instead of saying, well, God, you know, I, we, we, we always have an excuse on why we're not going to do whatever it is we don't do once we've committed to do it unto God. I might can tell you I'm going to do this and then I don't get to do it and you will understand why I did it. But, but, but I'm going to tell you something. Most of the time, life has inconvenienced certain things that they don't get done. But when it comes to God, we inconvenience our commitment. You know, we just don't think it's very serious sometimes. But the Bible tells us that it would be sin to us if we do not commit and follow through. Do you think that the would there be enough room in churches today if people who vowed to God that they would follow Him, serve Him, love Him, honor Him, glorify Him, obey Him, walk with Him, all the rest of their life, if they just got, if God just got them out of this one circumstance, or this happened, or this prayer, or they He touched this, do you think there's enough room in the churches today to hold all those people? Not near enough. But you know what? The churches be a lot fuller if the people who are supposed to be Christians who committed themselves unto God just showed up for service. We've got excuses and inconveniences for everything. You take, take somebody tonight like Brother Johnny and Sister Sandy who would be sitting right there if he was not going through what he was going through. I can remember Brother Junior and Sister Ruby telling me, they, they would sit right back over there and they say, we'd love to be in church, Ernie, but we just don't feel comfortable driving anymore. And, and, and Roger Dale would bring them from time to time. But they, they just got to where it was just, it was, they couldn't get things done, and, and, but they wanted to be there. And yet there's people who can be in church, won't show up for church because it's inconvenient. But they made a commitment to God. But my question to you and I here tonight is our commitment to God is such that we will show it no matter what and therefore be an example to those and encourage those that their commitment be steadfast and that they do the same. Ecclesiastes. Chapter 5. Solomon had something to say about vows. Verse 1. Now think about Solomon. Lord, give me wisdom that I may guide your people and I'll guide them. God said, because you ask for wisdom and not wealth, you'll get both. Now we would say, why would God do that if he knew Solomon was going to turn out the way that he was just so that Solomon could write this book and we would see what he went through and understand we don't have to go down that road. Do you realize history is written so that we will know what to do and what not to do? The Bible is written so we'll know what to do and what not to do. The vows that we see that were made and broken throughout the scripture are written there so you and I would know what to do and what not to do. 
Verse 1, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Now church, I'm going to tell you something right now. That's a big verse. Why does the Bible tell us in James to be swift to hear that pilot out there? It's cheaper than your truck. You can trade that truck off and get that pilot and then you won't have to. If I've got a car, a weakness, it's car shopping. It's not my only weakness, but I'm telling you right now, I can look at cars every day of the week and begin to figure out this one's cheaper than that one and so forth and so on. I remember Brother Gary said this to me one time. He said, how much money does it cost you in gas to drive what you got back and forth in this way? That's about so much. He goes, and if you buy this, how much is that going to cost you? You can buy a lot of gas. House of God, even. There, there are people that come to the house of God and you hear a good spill. And all of a sudden, now you're tied up and you make the decision of the fool and you follow after the wrong one. Now you're not following God, you're following man. You're not following the Spirit of the Lord, you're following the Spirit of the world. You're not giving to God's kingdom, you're giving to fools. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thy heart be hasty to utter things before God. Now, now think of this, for God is in heaven, and thou upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. Just think for a second. Why? Why would we? Why would God say that? God, God says, be careful what you're committing. Because even when you commit it unto me, if you don't fulfill it, it becomes sin. And now you're sinning. Well, I didn't mean to. But you're doing it. Sometimes men will talk us into things. You want, to, you want to know honestly why I started growing a beard? Because a man talked me into it. Well, you can grow a beard now, brother. You ain't, you're, you're pastor. You, you know, you can do this. And so I grew the beard. I kind of liked it. And then it said it felt better when it was long than when it was short. You know, she wasn't getting whisker burned all the time. And I thought, boy, this is good. You know, and then people start saying, boy, you look good in the beard. You look good. And, and you forget all about the fact that you told God, I will shave. As long as I'm getting to preach. People will talk you out of your commitment to God. And they'll say, well, you know, you really didn't mean that at the time, the way that it's being taken place now. Well, that's why God said, be patient and listen. And don't be hasty in reaction." For a dream cometh through the multitude of businesses, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. I believe they said it was Mark Twain who used to drive the steamboats up and down the rivers who uttered the phrase, never argue with the fool. Folks on the shore, the onlookers can't tell the difference. Think about this for a second. 
For a dream cometh through the multitude of businesses, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. Again, swift to hear, slow to speak. Listen. Don't, don't be hasty to utter. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow a vow than thou that shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that, that is in, it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the works of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also divers ventils, but fear thou God. I think God puts a lot in the stock of our words, in our commitment. And, and here's the deal. We don't know enough sometimes not to do certain things. And as we learn, we, we know more. I, I, I can remember, and, and, and we, I love my kids, and they know this, and I, I signed a car note for every one of them, and they all took care of it. Everything went right. But I can remember sitting down one day with a, with a gentleman who'd been through some things, and he said, the Bible says that you shouldn't sign somebody else's note, that a fool signs somebody's. And I'm thinking to myself, are you crazy? He opens up his Bible, turns to a passage in Psalms. I don't know exactly where it is, but it's there, and it says, don't do it. I can tell you a lot of heartache gets saved when you don't do stuff like that. No matter what the intentions of the other person is. Because you know what? We don't know what tomorrow brings. And, and just to be honest with you, church, the Bible says if you've got the money to give, give it. Don't put it out there for usury. Don't loan it. Just give it. And if it doesn't come back, don't worry about it. I once borrowed some money for somebody and they didn't give it all back to me. And I owed, I owed the person I borrowed it from and that made me bitter towards the person whom I borrowed it for. That don't work out right. Psalms chapter 37. We'll get just a couple more and we'll be done. We could start in verse 1, but I, I'm going to pull this out as a little bit. The Bible says a little here and a little there. Not to take it out of text, but to make it applicable to what we've already been talking about. Commit thy way unto the Lord. We put our trust in Him. Trust also in Him. And he shall bring it to pass. Well, what does it say? Fret not thyself, because of evil doers, neither be envious against workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass. 
and withered as green. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land. And barely thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way. Can I tell you all these previous verses in the fact that we've talked about vows? If we commit ourselves to God and trust in him, he will bring it to pass. And what is he going to bring to pass? What is right for us? Not what we want to consume, not what we're lusting after, but his will and his plan. He will fulfill his word to us. And if he's going to fulfill his word to us, we better be ready to fulfill our word to him. It cannot be a one-way track where God gives everything, I get everything, and in the end, I still have everything. Because that's not the way it works. If God gives everything which he has, and you get everything which we get, in the end, die separated from God, and hell will be your home no matter what you've done. We steal and rob and cheat, God. And we say, well, you know what? He understands. Every time I hear those words, God understands, I know what's coming next is going to be something totally against what God's will is. It's like the cop said. When you handcuff somebody or you're talking to somebody, you and I do not know what tomorrow will bring. And we don't even know what tonight's going to bring. See you later if the Lord allows. Come back next time if God permits. Proverbs 16 chapter Proverbs 16 verse 1 the preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. If your heart is God's you'll give a clean answer. And all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Now, now think about this for just a second. Now I know we have a standard answer sometimes. Be good. I'm always good. Are we always good? Do we want to always be good? I can tell you that for a fact. But we all make errors, mess up. Bible calls some of those things sins. If you drop a, if you drop a plate and it breaks, that was an accident. If you cuss somebody out, is that an accident? If you do something mean and provocative, is that an accident? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, the reactions that are that are in the body. It, it, we, we would always say, well, the flesh kind of hold, the flesh come out of me, you know. Uh, listen to me, it's in there. You gotta get that taken care of. It's called suppressing it, it's called getting it out, it's called crucifying, it's called more of God and less of you and I. Yet the scripture knows that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these two are contrary one to another. And there are days you do something you don't want to do and you feel terrible that you've done it. The problem is today is people don't feel terrible. Christian people don't care. They're, they're sitting there and they're going, you know, God understands. But God and I'm telling you, every time we say it, it's because we're going to do what we want to do and put God on the back burner. 
all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the Spirit. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. You want to know how to think right? Commit it unto God. You want to know that the next vow that you make unto the Lord will be a vow that you can keep? Commit it unto God. I wrote this down. I won't have you look it up, but Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says this. Can two walk together? Common. You know what happens when you get a comma, you pause. The problem is a lot of times is what happens when we get a comma and we have a pause, we react quickly. Can two walk together? Absolutely they can walk together. Now we just was not swift to hear and slow to speak. We didn't let the sentence be finished. The common does not stop the sentence. It stops the thought. It says, think about this because what's fixing to be said is going to mean something to what was just spoken. Except they be agreed. Now I'll be honest with you. No, they can't. We say, well, brother, are any people who walk together? No, no, no. He's not saying, can I walk through Walmart with somebody who's an atheist? Just because they're walking through Walmart doesn't mean that we are together. When he's talking about together, he's talking about joined, united, accomplishing. There, there's a commitment by both of them or all three of them or all five of them or or however many might be, can they both walk together except they be in agreement? Can we do what God wants us to do in this church except we be in agreement with God? See, we're one body of believers. Christ is in me. Christ is in you. Makes us one body. Me and my wife are one body. Can, can we two walk together except we be agreed? If we're not in agreement, then there ain't a very good walk. I'm telling you. It's the saying that is no, unless they be agreed. How many of you ever run a three-legged race? Person usually, usually follows down when the persons decide that they're both going to take a step with the other leg at the opposite time. So now we're not in lockstep. We are out of sync and they fall down. One of the things that, uh, and, and, and may not think of this in a big way, but one of the things I noticed about me and Netta, and I keep coming back to us tonight, I'm sorry to use this as example. We're, we're not a good example all the time, but we're, we're pretty good sometimes. We're honest about it. We're not always right. Now I know it's a long, long time ago. Me and her be walking, and we'll be walking step to step. We're just walking step to step. When we're walking beside one another, we're, we're step to step. We're in sync. Just think about that. What happens when you get out of step? You're no longer walking together. 
something changes. Something becomes amiss. Spiritually speaking, that's devastating. We've got to get back to keeping our commitments. And if we haven't been keeping our commitments, if we haven't been keeping our vows, we need to really seek God and find out what to do about it. God, did I react harshly? Because I, I, I want you to think about this for just a second. The Bible gives us illustrations and things to work about. The husband is head of the wife. But who's the head of the husband? That's Jesus. That's God. If the father lowercase lettering in the Bible. If the father disavows the vow of the daughter, she is forgiven by God for that vow. Not the, not the dad. God forgives her and doesn't hold that against her. The same for the wife. God forgives. If the husband does not allow her or says, no, we're not doing that, you're not doing it. If that vow is made and the husband says no, then God forgives her and she's not bound to that vow. So if we've made a bad vow, who do we need to talk to about it? The Father. God. I'm going to be honest with you, church. There's several different times I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, can I grow a beard? And, and I know that this, this seems just irregular and doesn't mean, to a lot of folks, don't mean anything. But, but honest and true, there's time, Lord, can I, can I grow a beard? Just for a month, two months in the wintertime, something like that. Can I do it? And, and I get the answer, no. Pay the vow. Keep the vow. Now that you understand, don't go back and break the vow. There may be something that we've made, a commitment that we've made, a vow that we've made that, that we've not kept. And we really, there's, we're not going to know that we can. And we're going to have to talk to God and get God to, to either release that or show us how to fulfill it. Because by not doing it, we're sinning against God. And it's serious thing. It's holding us up in the way that God would take and lead us and direct us. Because we're not walking in agreement. Something is amiss. Would you stand this evening? Heavenly Father, tonight I thank you, Lord, and I praise you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And thank you, Father, tonight for allowing us to be in your house. Lord, I ask you tonight, help us to do that which you'd have us to do, to be that which you'd have us to be. And Lord, may we take the word which thou hast given us tonight and use it, Father, to serve thee and to follow thee and to be right with thee. 